Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. The show with the host who is the Prince of Poo-Poo, the Duke of Doo-Doo, and the King of... Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I'm your host, Brian Levine, reminding you that you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to listen to this show. So if you're not, turn it off. All right, there we go. And this week in Pipe Parts, we have a Ask the Tobacco Blender with Jeremy Reeves. And then my guest is uh, Jay Mouton of Jay Mouton Pipes. And then we'll uh, get some uh, music, mailbag, and rant, all that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And uh, remember, 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 coming up this Saturday, this Saturday, pipestud.com is where all those tins of tobacco that were donated for the JDRF auctions and fundraiser, those will be there to buy it now, flat price, so get on, go to pipestud.com, sign up for his first responder email, and then you'll find out exactly what time and uh, do all that and then on uh, Steve's pipe stud eBay store will be the pipes and accessories that are going up including that brand new unsmoked handmade uh, Robert Vacher pipe and the uh, Barling Fossil and a couple of uh, Chris Morgan Bones pipes and yeah and uh, that dark fired leather three uh, three pipe bag so uh, do make sure and check those out and remember whatever you pay for the item Steve does all the work, throws in all the shipping, the eBay fees, the PayPal fees, all that stuff. Whatever you pay for that item goes directly to Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. So, yeah, keep an eye on that. Uh, also, if you want to hear me in a in a little different light, along with my uh, partner in crime, Dave Peterson, uh, go to uh, Mike Murphy and Jay Furman's The Pipe and Tamper podcast, and uh, you get to hear me and... Uh, me and Dave talking about the uh, Vegas pipe show and uh, using different words than you're used to hearing me sometimes a little bit. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us for Ask the Blender for Pipe Parts is Jeremy Reeves of the Cornell and Deal Company. Jeremy, good to have you back. Oh, thank you so much, Brian. Good to be here. So Jesse asks, uh, Brian and Jeremy, in a recent SmokingPipes.com video available on YouTube or wherever you see videos around you, uh, I heard Jeremy mention that Burley is typically thought of as a poorly as poorly suited for aging since it does not have the sugar content necessary to fuel fermentation. 
what about Perique? Isn't it essentially an aged burley? Is that one of the things that makes the St. James tobacco special? Does it have a higher sugar content than typical burley? Love the show, by the way. Keep it up, gentlemen. Happy smokes, Jesse. All right, so why do you hate aging burley? And then what about Perique? I don't, I don't hate aging, <laughs> aging burley, but the, uh, the, the lore around burley um, is that burley doesn't age well. Um, and that's not exactly true. I think that burley ages really nicely. Um, it just doesn't really ferment much. Um, and the reason is because it's relatively low, virtually, virtually non-existent in terms of sugar content. Mm -hmm. Uh, and sugar is really what's going to, what's going to make that fermentation process possible. Uh, but burley blended with other tobaccos that do have, uh, some sugar to them is pretty standard. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm putting together a burly blend, it may be predominantly burly or it may be burly focused in terms of flavor, but I'm never putting out a straight burly blend because that's not going to be very interesting. You need some <laughs> sugar in there. We want uh, our, we want, other... we want our customers coming back. Yes, exactly. Um, and so, and so whether, whether it mentions it or not, whatever burly blend you're thinking of, there is undoubtedly a casing that has been added at the very least, or uh, there has been other tobacco that has been blended in that has some, that has some nuance and that has some sugar because burly on its own doesn't have those things. Burly is pretty much straight ahead from start to finish. It tastes the way it tastes and it uh it is really great for high nicotine um but it doesn't tend to be very uh very nuanced very uh, complex in its flavor it doesn't it doesn't uh really travel or change um except to just get more intense as you go through the bowl um, and you need some sugar in there and so burley can go along for the ride if you've got some other tobaccos in a blend that will ferment, the burley will, will kind of share in that process because there is fermentation happening around it. With Perique, there are a couple of things going on. One is that burley is low in sugar, not because it is uh, devoid of sugar from the get-go. Burley is low in sugar because it is air-cured. And curing tobacco by allowing it to slowly dry by the ambient temperature and the, and the natural airflow is a long process and it happens so slowly that as the moisture evaporates and as the chlorophyll breaks down and leaves it takes what little sugar is in burley with it okay so you lose the sugar by fully air curing the leaf uh with perique you don't cure the tobacco for as long um you're actually leaving some patches of 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 green still in still in the leaf 
and the first turn in the barrel is actually not a fermentation turn. The first thing that happens in the barrel when you strip uh, strip that leaf and roll it into the carots and pack it into the barrel and put it under pressure is that you are finishing out the curing process. Huh. And then after the after the curing process is finished in the barrel, you have introduced the sugars that were in the wood and the sugars that were in the liquor that are in the wood to the leaf. And then you take it out, you aerate it for about 12 hours, you put it back into the barrel, and it has off-gassed the last bit of its ammonia and the... The chlorophyll is basically gone at this point. It has cured in the barrel, and now you're beginning the fermentation part. So it's not that it's not bur- it's not that Burley's bad. It's just that Burley is treated sometimes not the best way. It, it's it's treated in such a way that uh, that it isn't going to ferment. Yeah. Um, but it's treated in such a way to to capitalize on what Burley has going for it, which is a really deep, nutty flavor um, and a earthy, uh, an earthy flavor that can be very pleasant when blended with other things that are not quite so earthy, like Virginia's that have some tangy qualities and have uh, some sort of citrus kind of character to them um, and that have some sweetness. And then Burley also is really great for kicking up vitamin N, Yay. which a lot of times Virginias don't have so much of. Is, is it fair to say, in your opinion, which you're the leading expert on, uh, that the aging of a Burley-based blend is compared to the aging of a primarily Virginia blend is not going to be as dramatic of a change? Yes, that is true. Okay. Uh, but if you don't believe that Burley can age or ferment at all, I highly recommend anybody check out Oak Alley. That is a great Burley blend that has some Oriental, which has some sugar to it, and that has some Virginia that also has some sugar to it. And it's been pressed into a crumble cake. And there's Perique there. Uh, Perique on its own acts kind of like a because it is so uniquely fermented um it can kind of act like a a starter like a sourdough starter or a biga um wherever you put perique even if it's not enough to impact flavor you can you can be assured that there will be fermentation take place in the tin if there is perique present in the blend um oak alley is excellent straight off the straight off the table i love the way that it smokes but with two or three years of age even you can really taste unique flavor complexity in the in the burley itself that has been lent it by the perique and its fermentation and by the virginias and their sugar and their ability to age and ferment and the burley has continued to mellow, but it's also taking on some of these fermented characteristics. Um, so I think Oak Alley is a great example of how a burley tobacco can age when it is blended with tobaccos that do ferment. Yeah, and you had me at sourdough. I'm hungry now. Thank you. <laughs> oh, 
fresh sourdough from San Francisco. Anyway, yeah, all right, so perfect. There you go. So, so you know, from a consumer standpoint, if we just aged our burleys for a couple of years, we're going to get some benefit, but not as dramatic as if you age a Virginia or something. But it's not bad to age your burleys, right? No, it's not. And and as I say, it it is something that we look for when I'm buying uh, burley crops. I'm looking for older crops because that age means that the tobacco is going to be mellow. It is going to be smooth. It is going to be round. It is going to have a creamy sort of texture to the smoke. Um, so it it loses its rough edges with time. Uh, and if it's blended with other to- other tobaccos that have enough sugar to them to be able to ferment, then it will it will also ferment a bit. It's kind of it's kind of like me, except for the sugar. I'm aging and just getting smoother edges. <laughs> that's right jeremy that's thanks right. again for coming on thank you very much brian and we'll be back in just a minute this is internet radio take a look at your pipe rack are all those briars and mirrors constant companions in your rotation or are there some that you gravitate to more than others are there some that you simply don't smoke anymore Through SmokingPipes.com's estate trade program, you can transform those underused pipes into immediate cash or store credit. Just send us your pipes and we'll unpack, inspect, and evaluate them based on extensive market research and over 20 years of experience. Then we'll contact you with a detailed offer for your choice of cash or store credit, valid on any items in our vast selection of pipes, tobacco, cigars, and accessories. If you're not happy with our quote, we'll return your pipes free of charge to domestic addresses. It's that simple. Join the thousands of Smoking Pipes customers who have benefited from this program and start your trade today by contacting us at 888-366-0345. That's 888-366-0345. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us is a pipe maker from a part of the world that i absolutely love from down down the bayou way in louisiana jay mouton of jay mouton pipes jay welcome to the pipes magazine radio show well sure appreciate you having me yeah i don't know why i've missed you missed having you this long but um anyway let's get to know you where where were you born and where did you grow up and where do you live now uh, I was born and raised right here in Gaydon, Louisiana. Um, lived here pretty much all my life. I did a one-year stint in Canton, Louisiana, right before me and my wife got married. And um, then we moved back to our hometown and been here ever since. Now, where where exactly in louisiana is that i mean we're, we're are we talking like way down south way down south uh any further south and you're gonna get your feet wet um we're kind of in between lake charles and lafayette uh those are the two biggest cities yeah. closest and we're south of those so not a not a real big town is it uh, I would uh, probably right now about 1100 people. Wow. All right. 
wonder. Oh, uh, I, I'm imagining. Uh, I'm imagining Tabasco is pretty readily available down there. Tabasco and uh, Louisiana hot sauce. They're usually <laughs> side by side on every table. <laughs> All right. So this is. I mean, this is real. You're you're real Cajun Cajun Bayou. If, you know, you ain't no fake city city kid from New Orleans. No sir. No sir. <laughs> See, you hear that? You hear that, sir, and you know that we're talking real Cajun. <laughs> All right. So, what did you what did you want to be when you grew up? Besides a uh, besides a pipe maker. Oh, uh, well, pipe maker was definitely the last thing uh, <laughs> would have crossed my mind. But in high school, I had, I guess, I had kind of dreams or wants to be a coast guard rescue swimmer i was a real good swimmer in high school and um either that or a professional bass fisherman and <laughs> neither one of those panned out so i took on the family legacy of being a carpenter and cabinet maker uh, and drove uh, a truck for a little while as well yeah i mean the the, the part of the world you're in there's you know I mean, it's got to be beautiful, but there's not not a lot of a uh, not a lot of variety of stuff to do, is there? No, no. I mean, there's a there. Well, there was a, a ton of oil field stuff um, before they kind of shut all that that down. Um, most people did work in the oil field from this town, so yeah, there wasn't a whole lot. No. So when did when did pipe smoking? kind of work your way and work its way into your life um 20 2016 i picked up my first pipe uh i was working in a i was the manager of a vape shop one of those e-cigarette places mm -hmm. for uh i think about six months i did that um and i just wanted to smoke a pipe i always liked them I didn't, I don't have the, the story of, you know, my grandpa and my dad and all of that, my uncle or whatever. I just always liked it, like the way it looked in the movies and everything. And pulled into a little shop, right? It's like a little gas station down here that sells tobacco products and bought a pipe and two pouches of tobacco. <laughs> and no instructions whatsoever. No, sir. I tried the first bowl on the way home, and then I did what everybody else does to learn something. I went to YouTube University. <laughs> now, had you smoked any tobacco before that, or vaped, or? Yeah. I, uh, yes, yes. I, I, uh, I was a cigarette smoker um, up until uh, January 2013. Uh, I had quit cigarettes and i didn't do anything for about a year uh i did a little bit of uh dip smokeless tobacco whatever mm -hmm. um and then i started vaping for a little while and uh kind of went off and on bet between the two um and i always smoke cigars i've been smoking cigars since i was uh about 17 years old so <laughs> that as well but so he, yeah i mean you're you're not you're not a young kid anymore but you're also not old i'm i'm assuming that that 
when you were 17 and getting those cigars, that wasn't exactly the legal smoking age yet? No, not quite. No. Not quite. Uh, you, they, you, couldn't, you couldn't buy them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my, my grandpa smoked cigars and, uh, you know, a couple of the older men around. So we'd always, they'd always have a box of cigars on their seat of their truck or whatever. <laughs> and and uh, oh, and did one accidentally jump up into your hands and go home with you instead? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of how it happened. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. So I'm really interested because I mean, you you basically came from, I mean, no history of pipe smoking whatsoever, to now making pipes, and just you just always kind of like the way a pipe looked or like the idea of a pipe? Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, old pirate movies, uh, Edward G. Robinson stuff. I've, I've always been a fan of older movies. Okay. So you all that, that pipe in there. Right. Yeah. And, um, uh, so it all, it, it, yeah, it just always looked really, you know, it, there, there's always the the two opposite ends of the spectrum with pipe smoking. You have that really raggedy, and you have that really, uh, you know, classy looking stuff. So it it always drew me to it. Whether, like I said, whether it was pipe smoking, whether it was you know an old cowboy movie, or you know somebody walking down a yeah. beautiful park. So. All right, and then you go on to YouTube University, and is that when you got the eye opener of oh, I'm doing this kind of you know wrong and maybe i ought to try doing this and this and this yeah yeah well i mean as most people know it the ytpc is for the i mean almost entirety of it is a very you know um very giving and wanting to help community yeah uh, so right off the bat guys were reaching out and you know, commenting on your videos and telling you this, that, and then you're making friends and they're all sending you different tobaccos to try and teaching you how to pack your pipe and everything. So uh, it, it's a pretty smooth, it's not like having to learn on your own. That's for sure. Right. You know, they're, they're still a learning curve, but yeah, it's, it's pretty smooth transition from smoking something else to going to pipe smoking nowadays. So who were some of those YouTube channels that kind of, that, that you followed and then, and got you out of the dark and into the light? Oh gosh. Um, I mean, Todd Elmore, uh, Oberg is his handle. Um, Yorkshire Posse, LaDon Mott, who passed away last year, was a really good friend of mine. Um, Brian Radican, uh, this Jeremy Larson. Uh, I mean, so many. I, I, I literally take up this whole interview naming everybody. Um, <laughs> Pokemon, just lots of guys. You know, lots of guys. So a lot of a lot of YouTube watching and trying different ideas and working on yeah different techniques, and then you were off and running. Off and running. Yep. Yep. How long after uh, after YouTube University before you bought what I guess I would consider like your first real pipe? Um, that that I purchased. Yeah. Uh, 
probably about six months in, I had bought my first, you know, my first pipe that I bought at that little store was a, well, I actually, I bought two from that store. Uh, I bought the first one was a corn cob. The second one was a Dr. Grabo. Um, the first real pipe I bought was a Peterson Rosslair Bulldog. And uh, that gave me PAD so bad. Um, <laughs> and it hasn't stopped since. Uh, but that was the first one. And then I think the second one was like a rat race poker or something. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk with Jay about pipe making. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Hi, I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and Deal. We know pipe smoking is a personal journey. That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step, preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. Each product, from special releases like our small batch line to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening, are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell and Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with Jay Mouton of Jay Mouton Pipes. Um, all right, Jay, so you're, so are you, when do you, how do you decide that, you know what, I'm going to try to make a pipe? Is is that kind of based off of your working as a carpenter? Yeah, I mean, we, we made duck calls, me and my dad. My dad's in some books, Ronald Mouton, um, about call making, but the, the YTPC made me as a pipe maker. Um, what I did was I, I, like I said, you know, the generosity of that community, they'd send you tobaccos. Well, I would make a tamper and send it to them to repay them. And <laughs> Todd Elmore was the first person that I made a tamper for. And when he got it, he said, you need to make pipes. <laughs> uh, you know, I've sent, I've sent probably, 10 or 15 more and every single one of them would tell me the same thing. But Todd was the first person and, uh, kind of steer me in that direction, I would say. And within about six months, I had made my first pipe after that. So did you go out and get all the, uh, go out and get all the equipment and then start figuring the equipment out and going through the whole teaching yourself process? Yeah. Well, I didn't, um, I didn't have a a whole lot. I mean, obviously there's a lot to learn, but um, I didn't have a, let's just say I had the basics. I knew the, you know, everything's on, on two axes. So, um, and I had a ton of wood turning experience already. Um, so, and I had a, a lathe 
and a sander and you know everything basically i needed to make a pipe i just needed material i see so, so you had a bit of a head start then compared to some other people yes oh definitely i didn't have to uh like i said i knew you know everything was on two axes and the rest was just shaping so had a little jump so what is i mean what was kind of the hardest part of pipe making for you to figure out oh there's still some hard parts uh, <laughs> for me the like the first 10 pipes 20 pipes uh i think every one of them there was some proportionally wrong especially speaking about classic shapes yeah and then it was like okay stop and i and I still do this to this day. I pick one pipe carver and I study his work. And I, I mean, rigorously study it. I'll go to wherever their pipes are sold and I will look at the dimensions, everything, the weight, everything. If the, Look at every single picture that there is of it. I look at tons of pictures on Instagram um, and try to see what makes that guy so good you know i mean this is a really big pond and there are yeah. some really big fish out there who you can learn a lot from just from their pictures and just from their dimensions um if you can try and if you can try to take something from everyone i think you can you can build your own style uh but even that's really hard to do because there's so many great carvers out there. And sometimes it seems like everything's been done, you know? Well, I'm going to talk it, to you about something that I noticed and I, you know, I, you found your own style, but I think it has to do with some of your work with stone. Cause you, you do some stone inlays that are just incredibly cool and different. And a pain in the butt to do the work, if I understand it right. But uh, how do you how do you go from being you know working as a carpenter and and doing duck calls to making pipes, and now you're shaping stone inlays? Um, that that just basically just happened. Um, I was <laughs> looking for something. Uh, I don't even remember exactly what it was. I was looking for something, and I. Uh, on eBay or whatever. And I came across these rock hounds selling rocks. Right. And, uh, we have a gravel road. One of the last ones left around here. Um, it's called the Marie Michelle road. So I went out to that gravel road and I grabbed some rocks and I came home and I started trying to figure out how to shape these rocks. And I, I just thought it would be really cool if I could put a rock on a pipe and it, basically just took off from there a lot a lot of uh trial and error i can say that <laughs> there there might have been some might have been some words that aren't suitable for uh, church going public said during the uh, trial and error yeah and a, and a few rocks flew in multiple directions okay. i would say that <laughs> <laughs> all right so is that basic is, i mean is that kind of the same equipment that you're using to shape the rocks with or did you have to go out and get different bits or i you know I, I don't know what i'm talking about i don't even know what i'm asking here but you you had to do something uh, different because it's a different material right 
Yes, sir. I uh, I do, but you know, I mean, everything you're gonna have to use to cut it is diamond. So you know, um, rock saws, lapidary saws, uh, grinding wheels. Um, I fabricated some holders and tools for my lathe to be able to turn it, and uh, you know, different. Di- Typically with pipes, you, you hear the, the three compounds, you know, uh, Tripoli, uh, white diamond, and then waxing right. Well, mm-hmm. I use about seven different compounds on a stone. So, wow. yeah. yeah, it's different. <laughs> Do they add, uh, you know, I, I got to ask the stupid questions because I'm stupid in this area. Uh, does the... Does it add much weight to the pipe once it's done? I mean, you're not, it's not like anchoring a boulder in the middle of it, is it? Oh, no, it's, it's not even, it's not even noticeable. Um, I've never weighed the pipe before and after to see, uh, but I would say less than a gram. Um, I mean, depending on the size of the adornment or, or whatever I'm putting on it, but I, if I had to guess, it would be around a gram maybe two grams yeah so you're dealing with really fine pieces that are really trimmed down and and polished and and then put on the pipe so that yeah so otherwise i don't want people thinking oh yeah he shoved a bowling ball in the middle of the pipe and now it's going to weigh 20 pounds no 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 it doesn't i mean i've i've done that's uh my piezo series so i've done pipes with agate rings and agate caps and stuff and they all you know always usually under that 40 gram mark so yeah it's not doesn't throw it out of balance or anything i'm I'm looking at a picture on your instagram and the instagram is j the letter j dot mouton m-o-u-t-o-n underscore pipes and there's a picture of a thing called ocean jasper now besides looking really cool looking i'm assuming that wasn't on the gravel road no sir no i bought that from a uh a place called ent mining company that's the name of the distributor so you can you can go on their line i'm assuming you can go on their website and pick out rocks that look good to you or pieces that look good to you and then they ship them to you and then you get to play with them yeah oh yeah it's uh i mean you can google any type of rock that you want and then once you find a rock i guarantee you, you can find some on ebay at least if not then then you got to kind of search around a little bit um and then it's like everything else you gotta you gotta watch who you buy from and because <laughs> a lot of these these rocks will, will even though they don't grade some of these agates because these are semi-precious materials, they're not considered precious materials. You still have to watch. There are different grades of them. You can buy stuff that's full of fractures. Um, you can buy stuff that's really clean and beautiful. And you just got to kind of learn your way through it. Uh, I mean, I know now what to look for, but it's a uh, it, it's it's not like you can go and pick up a book and learn how to, you know, grade like a jeweler, I yeah. guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. And do that from a picture on the internet. Uh, exactly. 
So that one that one rock that you, that's in your picture, were you able to get more than? Were you able to use that on more than just one pipe, or is it one piece and done? <clears throat> that that piece of ocean jasper. Whenever I uh, is that the yellow and white one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. That that piece actually never made it to a pipe. Mm. I cut I cut a ring off of it. The ring broke as I was polishing it. And then when I made my next slice, every slice after that had fractures in it. So, so I couldn't use any of that. So all that time and effort. Uh, yeah. So that, that's why I say these are really cool pieces that, that you're doing and your and your shaping and styling is, I, I can see the influence of the classic shapes and the, but you also like what some of the, I guess the more American the more American Danish style of pipes is, is kind of where I would put you, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, my heart is in the classics, to be mm -hmm. honest. Uh, I mean, I love a really well done billiard or Dublin or, you know, um, pokers. Poker is one of my favorite shapes, even though it's one of the simplest. Um, but I do, I mean, I'm so, I'm so, uh, split with all of that like <laughs> it, i really like a lot of different styles and shapes i really do but my heart's probably with the classics so is is pipe making still a uh, a, a fun part-time thing for you uh no it's full-time still definitely fun it's <laughs> it's the best job i've ever had and during the summertime down there in the uh, in southern Louisiana, it must be nice to be inside of a shop all day instead of outside. My first investment was a better shop. It's insulated. I got air conditioning. It's good to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when you're not making pipes, what are you doing for fun down 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 the Bayou way? Well, I'm I'm an avid hunter and fish. I like to fish. Uh, I like to fish a lot more than I like to hunt. Um, that's probably my only two hobbies. I play the harmonica and I do oil painting as well. Uh, you probably seen some of that on my uh, Instagram or Facebook, but that's about it. That's about it. Pretty simple. Yeah. So the artist comes out in multiple ways and sometimes it comes out with a hook and some bait on it. <laughs> I wish it could go out with some hooking, hooking a bait for more than it does. Let's say that. I get, I, uh, you know what? I guess pipe making and fishing are a lot alike. Where you go out there thinking of the perfect day, and it hardly ever works out that way. Briar can be pretty brutal sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> and fishing can as well. I definitely agree with that. So, and my idea of fishing is uh, the same as my idea of pipe making. I just, you know, go to the store and buy them. Because uh, <laughs> if I had to live off of my fishing, we'd starve to death. Uh, how many pipes a year can you make, do you think? Last year, I sold uh, 130, 127, I think. Yeah, 127. The year previous to that, uh, I think I was right at a hundred or a little over a hundred previous to that was about a hundred. So, it, you know, a hundred to 130 pipes. 
So you're getting you're getting faster slow slowly. <laughs> or <laughs> or getting luckier. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, there's there's shakes that people tend to buy from you, I guess. I've heard that from other mm-hmm. you know, pipe makers with far more experience than me. So a Lavat, yeah, I can I can do a Lavat pretty quick, but um there's some other shapes out there that still tend to uh draw everything out of me let's say that <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh as, I, as i've always said great ideas lead to lead to great frustrations sometimes uh, but I've, now you, you you got me thinking now you got me completely off track which is rare so congratulations um price wise you're in the 300 of an up range on your pipes uh about 250 i have some pipes that actually sell for 225 but yeah 225 to all the way up to 600 yeah and do you take commissions yes sir the bulk of my work is from commissions so so i'm guessing you like commissions oh yeah yeah i have no problem with them um I don't do available pipes too often anymore. I say that and I just put one up today, but uh, <laughs> most of my available pipes go to uh, a couple of retailers that handle my stuff. Yes, I saw you, you also got, you got tobaccopipes.com and I think Cup of Joe's and uh, any others that we that we didn't miss. I got two, the pipes aren't there yet, so I'm not, uh, they just put their order in and I hadn't made the pipes out of I don't know if I should announce that yet, <laughs> but I got two more that they're going to be at Uh-oh. very shortly. Well, just keep your eye out on the uh, on the internet for uh, J Mouton pipes. Uh, what's the? Uh, I mean, I, I guess the goal is we, we just keep you in that workshop as busy as possible, making pipes as fast as possible, and uh, don't let you get outside and fish too much, right? I'd appreciate a a few fishing days, but yeah, definitely keep me in the shop. I love it. (laughs) Well, I love it. Pipes, I really do. And you automatically scored uh, bonus points with me because I saw you got a uh, you you got a certain little beagle. Yeah, 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 (laughs) Briar. Yeah. So that is that your uh, that's your boss that tells you when it's time for a break. Yeah, and he inspects all the briar that comes in. He's a uh, he's quality control <laughs> vice president of James Hall Pipes. <laughs> he, he he's a beagle, which means he's got to put his nose on everything. Everything, smell it, lick it. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer. Just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Shoot. What is your favorite pipe? Favorite pipe that I own? Just your favorite pipe. I My favorite pipe in my collection is a Chris Asterio Freeform Tomato. Ooh. Beautiful pipe. And what is your favorite tobacco? And keep in mind you live in Louisiana, so there is a right answer to this. <laughs> it doesn't contain three. Oh, oh, oh. 
Although I I love free. Okay. You know, I love offers. my favorite. My favorite tobacco is uh, Capstan Gold. All right, I'll let you off on that. <laughs> what is your favorite drink? Uh, sweet tea. I'm not a. If I, if we're drinking alcoholic beverages, uh, probably a white Russian if it's made right. No, good old fashioned sweet tea is good, especially when it's hot. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm not a I'm not a big drinker no more. I used to be. I used to think I was a big drinker. <laughs> turned, turned, I used in, to try. <laughs> turned into a big miserable person. Um, yeah. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Um, probably probably a movie, a good old movie. Yeah. And then, lastly, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory? Um. Oof. Yeah. That's. That's a tough one. Um, I probably don't have a favorite, if that's an answer. I really don't. Um, I, I, as cliche as it sounds, I, I truly feel blessed that this all came about in my life. I do. <laughs> the whole thing's been a great experience. And at least if you go fishing, you got a pipe with you, so you're getting something done when you're not catching anything. That's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, again, it's J Mouton Pipes, J dot M O U T O N underscore pipes on Instagram and all the other socials and YouTube. And uh, I guess you're you're on Rumble as well, which I don't even know what a Rumble is, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm just figuring out YouTube now, so don't worry about me. <laughs> but uh, Jay, thanks for coming on and doing this, and thanks for making such you know, unique looking pipes. Well, thank you for having me. I sure appreciate it. It's it's been it's been great. It's been an honor. And we'll be back in just a minute. For over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning, to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Milafolge, 100,000 welcomes, wherever you come from, whosoever you be. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Make sure and check out everything that uh, Jay's doing. And you know what? Let's, let's try to keep him off that lake fishing and in the workshop making pipes. Yeah. All right. For music. You know, anytime I think of, anytime you think of Louisiana, there is a ton of really good music to, uh, you know, really, really good music to pick from. But uh, this one kind of stuck out to me. Uh, was goofing around listening to some Dr. John over the weekend, and uh, this is called Down in New Orleans. It was nominated for an Oscar and a Grammy, 
and it's from the movie, the Disney movie Princess and the Frog, but uh, written by Randy Newman, uh, Dr. John of New Orleans doing Down in New Orleans. Dr. John, and if you want some uh, classic New Orleans, boy, ain't nobody else but the doctor for it. You've got mail. Pattern baldness. And remember, if you have a comment or question, you can email it directly to me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at PipesMagazine.com, or post it on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on PipesMagazine.com. Uh, just like Dino did with last week's show, it, and he says, it's always enlightening to traipse around inside Fred's head. However, it is sometimes prudent to don one's high-top boots. <laughs> this discussion was quite interesting, and both of you had very cogent arguments. It's Bing. What more needs to be said? Did you notice that in the first stanza, he sings Yankee Doodle came to Iceland just to ride the ponies? Iceland, really? Yeah. Uh, that was a spot on, and I'm sure for you, a cleansing rant. Uh, best wishes for a totally successful JDRF auction. Thanks for the fun show, Dino. You are welcome. And then Casey Ghost says, Fred Hanna is just a delightful person to listen to. Despite his vast knowledge of piping, he doesn't talk down to the listeners, which I appreciate. Good light tune by Der Bingle. Not one of his best, but definitely enjoyable. The reference to Iceland cracked me up. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, the hall for the JDRF, uh, the JDRF auction certainly seems plentiful for those who donated. I say good job. Um, and for those coming to the West Coast Pipe Show, you will see the one and only Fred Hanna there because I just saw his room reservation. Um, Honky Tonk Man says, in fact, I just called it the West Coast Pipe Show, huh? The Las Vegas International Pipe Show. Here's what Honky Tonk Man says. Great to hear that the West Coast Pipe Show, which is now the Las Vegas International Pipe Show, is already looking at exceeding everyone's expectations. Real impressive and good job. Comments. Uh, one, two light pipes. Surely there's no right way or wrong way for how many times someone needs to relight their pipe. I personally prefer to relight as few times as possible. As you said in the show, I don't care exactly I don't care. Exactly right. I'm smoking my pipe for me. Happy smoking is what it's all about. Always enjoy the interviews with Dr. Fred. He sure does take a ribbing from you about his straight grains. <laughs> uh, I'll just let you know. He gives it back just as well. Uh, I think you got, he goes on to say, I think you guys hit upon a good point in so much that the use of the phrase straight grain was indeed a clever marketing ploy. I've got a highish end Italian artisan pipe. The grading is one designation away from the maker's highest grading. Sure, it is a beautiful pipe. Great straight graining, wonderful bird's eye on the heel, plateau rim, and a great bent Dublin. But it just doesn't do it for me. Sorry. Sandblasting offers way more interesting patterns, in my humble opinion. And that's all it is, my humble opinion. No offense taken here regarding your rant as you got into it. I was surprised that you were able to maintain your composure. Thanks for the show. Looking forward to hearing more, some more from Fred, Honky Tonk Man. You are welcome. And uh, Andy SC83 says, hey, Brian, another great show. And the Inside Fred Fred's Head segments have become one of my favorites. Love the knowledge and opinions Fred brings to the table. On a side and rather random note, I'm just a few hours south of you in Greenville, South Carolina. If you're ever down this way, let me know, as I would love to meet the legendary Brian Levine in person. <laughs> well, you know what they say, never meet your heroes or legends. Uh, but yeah, and if you're ever up in the Charlotte area, let me know. Uh, and then the Canero 5 says, I'm a new listener and a new pipe smoker. I'm enjoying the show and learning about pipe smoking. My dad and grandfather smoked a pipe, so I decided to follow in their footsteps. Uh, consider including a segment on pipe tobaccos, specifically the tobacco makers. It's overwhelming to know which to try, especially when there seems to be hundreds of choices. The show flows quickly and is well produced. Just keep us beginners in mind. Uh, yeah, so for the beginners, remember, if you're new to the show, listen to the current ones, but then go back through the catalog and get caught up. And I think you'll find that all those questions on pipe tobacco and the tobacco makers that you're looking for, you'll start to piece them together as you hear me talk to different people from the different tobacco companies. Uh, if you have any specific questions, though, reach out and holler. Happy to help. Uh, and then Bryant Malone writes, I could listen for hours to your Inside Fred's Head interview, although I think sometimes you think it is under Fred's skin, but that is always fun to hear. I have never been concerned with relights, but I'm a fast smoker who, like you, tends to overpack my bowl. My pipes never get more than warm, but my largest bowls don't last more than 30 to 35 minutes. 
I like my pipes for their relaxing benefits, and if I need to relight, so be it. Thank you for playing Bing Crosby's take on Yankee Doodle Dandy. His velvety smooth voice never gets old, and the patriotic theme was as usual right in line with the episode. Can't wait for next week's radio journey. Best regards, Bryant. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I just picked that song just because, you know, it's Bing, and it was the 4th of July around here. And before we uh, get on to the rant time, one last comment, and this comes in via the uh via the the las vegas international pipe show and it's from somebody who's been there before and he he wrote to me uh he said uh that apparently he had a friend uh a policy at past vegas pipe shows has revolved around foot traffic making trades with those who have paid for a table which was prohibited uh and i'm not sure about that um anyway he said he had a uh a friend of his was asked to leave one of the Vegas shows. I think it was back in 2011 while attempting to trade with a vendor. Unfortunately, he never returned. So here's my comment. And the, the reply that I said back to him uh, is if Steve and Marty had a no trade policy, I would be surprised and find that bizarre. If they did have that policy, then I broke their rule at least five or six times. Uh, myself, Dave, and the Las Vegas International Pipe Show don't care if you trade pipes for pipes, buy pipes, use ostrich feathers to trade for pipes or tobacco, as long as both parties are happy with the deal. Just come to our show, and if you can work a deal for your pipes or tobaccos while walking around the show, sitting in the smoking lounge or in the men's room is fine with us. Yeah, uh, you know, no reason to, no reason to not. If you're, if you're coming to any pipe show, and you've got extra pipes, you know what? Go to Smoking Pipes. They'll give you a cash evaluation or credit evaluation right there on the show floor. If you can work a deal with one of the other vendors, that you know, do it. That's what I did in Chicago. It worked out great for me. So, yeah, not a problem at all. In fact, one of the fun things to do is uh, see who wants what pipe and see who values what pipe. So, there you go. Uh, again, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. And in just a moment, rant time. There's nothing quite like a good book or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. Since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, to expanding their catalog each year with new innovative series, Savinelli produces high quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas, Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. Here's a bulk of a rant that kind of ties into the old adage of don't argue with a person who buys ink by the barrel. 
Well, don't buy ink by the barrel unless you're going to print it quick, because here's what happened to me recently. Yeah, I bought ink for my printer and bought one of those uh, two packs, you know, two blacks or whatever. And uh, by the time I got around to using the second one, it was nine months later, and the second one was bone dry. And I can't prove it that it was bone dry, but I went to open it and it was bone dry. So don't buy bulk. There are certain things that you should not buy bulk. Don't buy bulk bananas. Don't buy bulk whatever, you know, whatever you're going to, if you're going to, with printers and ink and stuff like that, only, only buy what you're going to use right away because you don't know if that second one's good or bad. And if you put it in, then it's wasted. Uh, and then if it's bad, you got to go and return it. So unless you're printing a lot, like within the return period, don't buy anything in bulk that, you know, that's just going to be wasted. Uh, you know, you, there's no real good deal if you buy a big old bag of bagels and you can't eat them in the time that they're going to go bad. That's not a special. So just be careful when you're buying bulk. Uh, bulk tobacco? Good. Buy a lot of bulk tobacco. Yeah. Except for those of you that like aromatics because, you know, aromatics don't age that well. So you don't want to buy a five-year supply and find out that two or three years into it, you don't like the way it aged. You know, that's the same thing as uh, me complaining about my uh, big bag of bagels and half of them went bad before I could get around to eating them or, you know, buying a whole bunch of printer ink and then having using one of them. In fact, I looked it up. It was $38 for two cartridges and I only got to use one, so that was $38 for one. So the, this time when I reordered, I only bought one. There you go. In fact, you shouldn't listen to these shows in bulk either because it would probably hurt your head. Uh, but anyway, all right, again, remember, JDRF auction items uh, coming up this Saturday through Steve Fallon's Pipe Stud. Uh, info on the VegasPipeShow.com at VegasPipeShow.com. There's a lot of info on that website lots of information there table reservations are still open admissions are still open rooms are pretty close to selling out so you know hey we're doing well uh thank you to jeremy for joining me thank you ag again to jay and for all of you for tuning in until next time the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather happy This guy is also a royal pain in the ass.